Welcome to our special weekly podcast, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty, but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share soulful founder stories or those who simply inspire me. But thanks to Dell, we are able to continue creating this unique podcast for the small business community at a time where we need all the advice we can get. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going. You won't need to bring your frown. This week, I welcome the wonderful Fern Cotton to my Instagram Live, as well as James Manning, the international editor of Time Out London. And as ever, we covered a multitude of topics, but one very striking similarity, now I think about it, for both of them, was that in this uncertain climate, both brands moved quickly to reflect the mood and the needs of their community. In fact, despite being in very different sectors, Fern and our Happy Place Festival and Time Out and their print magazines and food markets, both had to refocus their efforts, pivot and mobilize their teams on a new way of working within days, as they both shared with us in this episode. When faced with lockdown, both brands moved swiftly to take their offerings online, which I know is something this community has done with passion. So I'm sure their insights will provide much inspiration today. So first up is the wonderful Fern Cotton. She is such a kind, incredibly open woman. And not only do I enjoy her company immensely, I also really respect the brave decision she made to walk away from her prior career and start all over again with purpose at its very core of her new era. I wish I could have spoken to Fern for much, much longer. Unfortunately, Instagram Lives only let us talk for 60 minutes at a time. So to watch the full conversation, head over to my IGTV. It's so lovely to see you. Oh, and you. Lovely always to see you and speak to you. Four months now, we've been in lockdown. Can you even believe? It's like 110 days no, you I have, can't. I can't you, believe it. Like me and my husband were saying yesterday, how are we in July? It's just weird. It's like one long day and we're still in it. It's one long day, but you've managed to pack in quite a lot into your one long day. I mean, you know, you've been mummy, you've been businesswoman, you've tried to be fern, you've tried to be no doubt a good wife. You know, this this time, this pressure that has been put on us all, especially women who are working, you know, how have you navigated it? Have you have you won at it or do you still feel like you're <laughs> No <laughs> No, no. The stuff you listed just there, I found overwhelming, you know. I think having I've been like you working throughout and the kids are in the same house because they're not at school and I'm going to work in my stepson's bedroom so I can't walk out the door like by everyone you know they're trying to get in or they're shouting or I can hear them going mad my husband downstairs and also you know the time that I've had with my kids because they're not at school has been you know really tough but also really incredible at times and we've done lots of really simple lovely things so 
Yeah, it's just been bonkers. It's it's really interesting you say that. I was reading um, an article this morning and it said nine out of 10 people when asked if they would like to continue working from home have said that they would. Yeah. And what this article was sort of bringing out was we need to be a bit careful because actually that's fantastic. But you forget that being with people is so, so important. Have you missed, have you been out uh, in your work or it, it, has it been more isolated at home? Not much. I mean, the festival was certainly all conducted via Zoom and just, you know, using our phones and computers and iPads and stuff. We've had a couple of Happy Place board meetings on Zoom, which, you know, you get stuff done, but it's not the same as being in a room and bouncing ideas off each other. And and just, you know, the simple necessity of having other people's energies there, whether you're into that sort of thing or not, it's real. You know, I have missed elements. I did... Uh, two days work outside outside of the house um, last month for for a completely different project and I was filming at Abbey Road Studios and it was so weird being with loads of humans I mean everyone had masks on all the crew who were filming but it was it was just odd and sort of meeting new people because I haven't met anybody new in months and normally I meet new people constantly all the time yeah I do so so that was really lovely. Um, so, yeah, again, I think we've all... There have been some really wonderful, inventive ways of um, communicating and still getting to work with other people. But then there is still that missing link of just being with people that you really like, respect, or inspired by. There's nothing like being with that person in the room. So, yeah, I think, again, there's pros and cons with that one. Tell me about your creativity, because I interviewed Alex Monroe, an amazing jeweller, who has found this time to be highly creative. Asma Khan from Daijin Kitchens, she said to me that it's been the first time as a founder, and that made me so emotional. I started, I think I cried so many times talking to her. <laughs> but she basically said for the first time as a founder, she has found this period, because she's been forced to stop, she's almost rediscovered herself. Well, what's it been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I've had this discussion with a lot of friends because a lot of my friends do creative jobs and it differs massively. The extremes are huge. Some people just feel too overwhelmed to think straight and others have really sort of channeled that into something. I'm, I think I'm quite lucky in the fact that being creative comes quite easily to me because yeah. I don't know what life without creativity looks like. And I haven't yeah. since I was a tiny child. This isn't about projects of gravitas or whatever this is about simple simple everyday creation that could be baking a cake that could be you know making something with my kids it's such a huge part of who I am that I've had very few periods where that's gone so during this process I have done quite a lot of stuff um I have written a new book purely in the lockdown period I had an idea oh god I know. How have I, you done that? I don't know, but I so loved it. I had this idea just before lockdown. So I, I boshed out this book quicker than I've ever written. And I'm really happy with it. And I, I filed it a couple of weeks ago. We're doing final checks. The cover's done. It's ready to go. I'm so excited. So that's been wonderful. That's just that little thing. I mean, how have you found lockdown? I know, but I, the I wrote with, a book from start to finish. I know, but the problem with me is... If you live with me, this is a nightmare because I am a really high energy fidget. I don't, and it's to my detriment, I don't 
know how to relax at mm. all. I find it, yeah. I know you find it difficult as yeah. well. I find it almost excruciating. And as soon as I try to relax, I mean, it's good in a way, it opens up space, but I get so many new ideas and things mm. going on in my head. And I'm quite an urgent person. I, I can't think, oh, I'll do that maybe next year. You know, by the time I've had the idea, I've already started contacting people, Googling things, you know. I, I can't, I'm sort of unstoppable in that sense, but my energy is, it's too big and it feels like it's bursting out of me at times. And it, you know, the, the detrimental side is I suffer with insomnia here and there and I can get very irritable, quite angry about things. That's a real emotion for me that comes up because I'm so desperate to make things happen and to mm. do things and to move forward. Mm. But I think I get, a lot of that fire, if I don't channel it properly, could go down the wrong road. So it's it's sort of the best kind of thing in my life and the, and the drive, but it can also be massively detrimental. And I and I burn out all the time. You know, I have moments where I'm ringing my team. Like, I can't do this. I can't cope. And it's like, wait a minute. I actioned all these ideas. Why am I shouting at them? I was going to say, they're like, Oh, yeah, well, if you could actually stop working, then maybe yes. we could. You know, the thing is, I was just saying before you started that, that you know, I totally believe that the future of brands will be when founders put themselves at the forefront. You know, I, I think back to Jamie Oliver, for instance, you know, where actually that person is at the forefront, is vulnerable, and then builds a business behind them doing good. And, you know, what I'm so fascinated and proud of you and just I'm your biggest fan is that you've taken this transition from you know being the face that we know uh, a celebrity on our tvs etc etc but what you just described there is a complete entrepreneur's DNA I mean you know you'll do that till the day you die you know I, I yeah. always laugh that I'm going to be actually critiquing my coffin and building a coffin, <laughs> a coffin company as I'm <laughs> do you know what I mean but what yeah. you describe is such a I call it founder titus it's that thing that you, you just can't stop do you feel you're an entrepreneur do you call yourself an entrepreneur I don't feel like I have the right to at the moment um you know, this is why I love talking to you. And as I've said before, you know, you've really become, whether you like it or not, a, very much a mentor because I'm learning as I go and it's all very accidental. So I think, you know, down the line, I, I might see it like that. But I think I'm still finding my feet with all of it. And, mm. you know, like you say, I, I've had these completely different chapters where, you know, for 20 odd years, I was a, a presenter and a broadcaster. And that that's what I did. There was no other yeah. side to it at all and I don't think I necessarily felt comfortable in that role all of the time sometimes I felt you know I had huge imposter syndrome and I didn't I certainly didn't feel creatively fulfilled because yeah. there was nothing to do with me I would present you know whatever anybody else threw my way work-wise as long as it roughly aligned to what I liked doing yeah. and I guess it took me to have this huge sort of personal crisis of feeling extremely low and broken to drop all of it, which was terrifying and move into this new um, area that I'm in now. But I didn't kind of go, right, that's me done with presenting. Now I'm going to go into, you know, yeah. creating a yeah. brand or a business. God, no, I thought, God, am I ever going to work again? You know, what happens now? I've got kids. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And I think I just started talking honestly I mean that's all I do now is yeah I just talk about stuff and I 
hopefully um, continue, ignite, or am part of interesting conversations that um, are helpful or drive some positive change. And, you know, and the team that I work with now, who are just amazing, we can now be a little bit more focused with that. But that's very new. But the, the energy that you're talking about, yes, I feel like I know, and it's really hard as a Brit to big yourself up in any way, but I do know quite confidently that I'm very good at multi-skilling. I can do lots of things at the same time because my brain doesn't stop. And then I'll be forcing ideas on my husband. Why don't you try doing this? And he's like, back off. I'm not, you You know, I can't stop. Oh, yeah. Being there, done that. Uh, Having ideas for everyone, you know. Yeah. And listen to this. And they're like, I don't want to. Okay. But for me, I just feel like I want to maximize everything or expand as much as I can in every way, you know, emotionally, um, in, a, in a business sense, in, in a way of learning. I just want to keep expanding and seeing where it takes me. And not, not to get, you know, I think before it was all about expanding to be the biggest I could be, to be famous and to be on the biggest show. Yeah. And God, I could give a toss about that now. I want to expand in a sense of I want to get better. And, you know, Fern, what you're saying as well is such a female brain. This age of um, what consumers are looking for, what people are looking for, is all these female traits. You know, people are yeah. calling it the age of the female entrepreneur. And that's not just to say you have to be a female. It really, really helps if you are one. Um, but also the fact that men and the way people are thinking in their businesses is about what we do well, multitasking, communicating. Tell me, though, you've done something that I haven't seen anyone else do. And I can only imagine when they got the call where they're thinking, OK, so we're going to have to put off the Happy first Festival, you know, firm, we're going to have to put it. And you're like, no, we're going to do it virtually. And the whole team goes, oh, gosh, here, here she goes again. Tell us about that, because you did a month long content every single day. How on earth did you pull that off? I don't know. <laughs> it was mad. So we had this, you know tiny problem of oh well, that's a shame we booked our venues for the festival what are we going to do now and you know I felt a little bit nervous about leaving it a whole year because we've yeah. only done one so we kind of sat on it for about a week and then I actually didn't come up with the idea I can't take credit whatsoever I just felt I've got perspective over this it's okay and then some of my team members were like look you know we could look into the digital space I just thought what how does this how is this going to happen and and we just kept talking about it every day until we felt I guess brave enough to go mm. let's just do it because there was no safety net there was no yeah. oh we've already got these people on board we had to green light it and then full steam ahead in six weeks turn <laughs> this festival around it was really terrifying and we didn't know if it was going to work so we might do all yeah. the work and then it fall flat on its face so I think, you know, the other thing about Happy Place is it is about trying new things. And also, if things go wrong, saying we tried, you know, because we're not trying to be perfect. We're just giving mm. stuff a go and we're learning as we go. So we felt like we could always be honest, even if it didn't turn out well. But luckily it did. And we worked really hard and we had a bunch of the contributors who were booked for the live events that they would take part. So then it was just about you know, find the right people to, to help us make it work. And I could not have done it without the people I work with. My God, they, they were incredible. 
But um, but it happened and I'm really glad. And I sort of can't believe that the month is over because it felt at one point like I was going to be um, just doing that festival for every day of my life forever. <laughs> but it we we did it and, you know, people people engaged with it. And, you know, it was so wonderful knowing that, say, 8 p.m. on a Tuesday, people all over the world were tuning into a meditation session we had going yeah. on trying a new workshop that felt really exciting that we'd managed to have some sort of community for a time where we can't really be with the people that we we want to be so although the festival's finished all the classes and talks are still available um you just need to go to youtube.com forward slash burn cotton high five to you it's so brilliant. I've got some lots. I mean, you can only imagine how many comments and, and questions. I'm going to just read out a few. And then I'd love to chat to you about this thing that we keep talking about. Um, Binks Design. Congrats on the Happy Place Festival, Fern. It was gorgeous. And I loved it. Um, Trisha, makeup artist. A fidget and fire is brilliant, Fern. You, your deep honesty is so gorgeous. Now, I've got a young entrepreneur who I know, who I um, try and mentor, but she's so talented, Molly the Happy Rainbow. And her question is, what do you like to do with your children that makes you happy? Oh, Molly, that's such a lovely question. Um, well, this, this weird year has given me many opportunities to do some seriously lovely things. And one of the biggest parts of lockdown for, for me, Rex and Honey, has been finding newts in a little local stream. And there were about two months we went every day. The newts have gone now. I don't know if it's like newt season is over. I'm, I'm no David Attenborough, but <laughs> we, were, we were going there every day and checking on these little newts and watching them grow and swim. And I mean, it was magical. And we would never have had the time to do that because they would have been at school. We went every day. And it was so wonderful. And I think, you know, now the newts have gone, we found other activities, but... Honey has learned to ride a bike in the last month. So we're going on family bike rides, which and I actually saw your son, Harry, the other day. When I, was I know. <laughs> my son on the bikes. He probably thought, who's, I? you know, I'm such a nerd. I have like this bright orange helmet. I ride a bike that's covered in um, Day of the Dead skulls. And I'm like, Harry, in front of his group of cool mates. He's probably like, oh my God, please shut up. Who are you? So <laughs> he I sort did of regretted it. that. I cycled away like, Oh God, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> anyway, cycling has been a big part of it. I I don't do anything fancy with my kids whatsoever. It's about bike riding, finding newts. My son is obsessed with nature. So we just let him embrace that, get covered in mud. You know, they've been my happiest times during lockdown without a doubt. They're going to be beautiful memories. Mm. Now, Fern, we, you and I, when we get together, one of the things that you and I keep coming back to when we do talk is that we're worried about our specifically young women um, out there, sort of the teenage land-ish. Um, and where we're seeing that there is a dominance of the importance on how they look and how many likes that they have and the sort of aspect of social media bringing out potentially what Fern and I have also spoken about, which is, you know, when we're young, we all want to, we all are in discovery, you know, but we feel that social media and what is out there, so other celebrities, other brands have done something where certainly the teenagers I follow, girl teenagers I follow, there doesn't seem to be any of them in it. It is purely their vehicle that they live in. There is nothing about their soul, 
what they want to be, who they admire, all the creativity. And, you know, Fern and I have been chatting about this and, and I'll let Fern speak now, but we, we wondered what we could do to meaningfully change this for girls. How can we inspire them to understand that they're more than this and that they've got this most unbelievable adventure ahead of them, but not to worry so much about self? What do you think, Fern? What is, is I mean, it's such, it is a huge one. You know, I've got a stepdaughter and a, and a daughter and, um, and a stepson and a son. But as you say, this is dominant in a, in a much more sort of teenage girl skewed way because of aesthetically what we're seeing. And, you know, like you, um, you know, you, you rightfully pointed out there that, you know, being a teenager, of course, is a time for expression, um, experimenting, figuring out how you feel about being a woman. And that often for females will be in the way that you dress or, yep. you know, makeup or whatever. And there's, we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. My God, you know, I've been through every phase and trend or whatever, and it can be really <laughs> fun. But I think when it's the only thing that is highlighted, this isn't for all teenagers. There are some, there are some super smart, you know, engaged teenagers who know exactly where they're headed and what they want to do way more so than I was or you know even more so than I am now you know it's it's a responsibility um for all of us who uh have kids or are carers or have kids that we look out for to ensure that they understand that you can still dress up and look however you want to look but that isn't going to equal happiness completion this perfection that's at the end of the rainbow it's an empty promise it's an empty mm. thing that there's no substance to it and as I said you know I've, I've got mascara and eyeliner on today I like wearing makeup I like wearing mm. you know clothes make me feel good but I know what it's going to deliver and it's not my end goal yeah and I've definitely learned over the years that the things that feel substantial nurturing expansive and purposeful um, me, yeah purposeful and keep me deeply rooted lie in creativity um learning is a huge part of it and 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 doing things that i'm deeply passionate about and i think that there is not enough emphasis on that and and then when we see perhaps um the younger generation that do go down that route you know they could they can be vilified or called out like greta thunberg for instance you know it's it's such a shame because she is deeply passionate about what she's talking about and she is changing, you know, the way we think so massively at such a young age. She shouldn't be getting any hassle from anybody in my eyes yeah. at all. And there are loads of other brilliant role models out there. Malala is just this yeah. brilliant human being who's, again, game-changing. But there is a much bigger side over here that is about young women um, looking a certain way. The aesthetic changes through the decades, but at the moment it does seem to be sort of quite a lot of flesh on show and quite a lot of pouting and it seems quite unrealistic and for me you know if you are looking purely at beauty or feeling good about your physical self you know celebrate who you are it's about what makes you feel great rather than adhering to an aesthetic that is pre-existing um because it's going to get likes uh, or i don't know what the weird 
algorithm equation is on that one that these pictures get loads of likes because I know if I post a picture of uh, one of my cats or something I've written in a notebook it will get a couple of likes here and there but if I was to post a picture of me in a really slinky dress with my hair blow dry yes up against a wall giving it the you know I would get a lot of likes and that is peculiar but can border on dangerous for the minds of the young people um, engaging in that sort of expression online. And I think to know that what your capabilities are, your strengths are, where your passion lies, that is where you're going to feel fired up, grounded and and have true self-worth, I think, is, is what I'm headed towards so look it's a deeply complex one and I'm sure to some controversial but I do feel like you passionate about it I just we're having so many comments coming in and I'm capturing everyone's thoughts because Fern and I are really asking out there what would it be that we could do to help because as you know as Fern's saying this you know the bottom the pout the flesh it's sexualized and for, and God, I feel like I'm my mother or something. You know, I'm not actually saying it's wrong and God, they're gorgeous and everyone is gorgeous. And I'm not, you know, we're not saying that. And I've been there, done it, all these things, but we didn't have social media in those days. Yeah. And unfortunately with everyone glued to their screens, unfortunately you're seeing what you think you should be. If you're glued to your screen six hours a day, seven hours a day, and you're repetitively seeing the same image, well, that's almost like that's a crazy amount of advertising that's going into these young minds and warping. Because if I go onto their feeds, um, sometimes what's happening is all I see is the same type of image over and over and over and over again. Yes. There doesn't seem to be anything else that they feel is worthy to put out there. It's such a big conversation. It's really loaded it's, and it's really... But it's, but it's you about. know what? You know, we've started it here. And I, what I love is that we've just done this in front of everybody. Everyone yeah. is appreciating it. I've got these um, messages coming in. The whole community has gone really nuts on this one. And they've been sending lots and lots. And the team are collating everyone's thoughts. Maybe you and I should then go and have a cup of tea um, and yeah. maybe chat about what that could be. But I think that from what I'm seeing... So is people are definitely needing it. Now, listen, I'm going to have to leave you because Instagram Live, they kick us off. Thank you, Fern. Speak to you soon. Lots of love. Bye. I adore Fern's honesty, her vision and drive. That energy is actually something I really recognise in myself. We were inundated with emails after the conversation with suggestions about what we can do around empowering our young. So watch this space. I think it could be easy at times to listen to our guests, however big or small, with a huge team or a team of one, and underestimate the resilience needed to make it on this journey. You can have the best ideas, the fastest reaction, the most future-proof plan, but resilience is the ingredient that will ensure you continue to push forward until you succeed. When I heard Fern saying that she didn't feel she could call herself an entrepreneur, it 
it brought to mind Emma Bridgewater, who also echoed this sentiment. It's a wonderful episode and one which my team often refer to and cite as their favourite. So here is the wonderful Emma Bridgewater talking all about resilience. You know, nobody survives on their own brilliance and resilience. It's, it's luck. It was a really good moment for it. I remember being cold at Jubilee, at the Jubilee market. But the thing that kept me warm then and through that period and kind of always does is the, the enthusiastic response, the fact that it was the right thing at the right time, that mm. it was a missing thing. Mm. And there, that's immense good fortune, you know, to, to, if, the time, if your timing's right. But I do say to people, if you haven't got customers, well, first put your idea at risk of sale. I get annoyed when people Take come back to me. Take your products out for get, risk of sale. Put put them out. Somehow get, get, put together a trestle table at the end of your drive or whatever it is you're going to do and see whether people like you, your thing. And if they're not elbowing each, out of the, each other out of the way to get hold of that one, you may have to go back to the drawing board. There's got to be a sense of a feeding frenzy. And even though it was cold and not always totally successful in the Jubilee market months, there was a strong sense of people snapping it up. Emma is such an amazing woman. She has such heritage and a huge and loyal customer base. She's a woman I have admired for many years. So I was thrilled to finally meet her, surrounded by all her ceramics and get to ask her lots of questions. So do go back and have a listen to it if you haven't yet. After many years mentoring small businesses and championing women founders, the imposter syndrome is something which comes up as a consistent reason as to why women are holding back from building their own businesses. Fueling this imposter syndrome is a fear of tech. And so together with Dell Technologies, we want to take the first steps in empowering women in business. So each week, I'll be giving away an award-winning Dell XPS laptop and lots of other small business goodies to cheerlead you on your journey. So this week's winner is Jodie, and she wrote, I am emailing as I would love to win one of the Dell laptops. I am the owner of Dolly Pepper Studio, a small business where I design and make greeting cards, gift wrap and stationery. I built it at the start of lockdown and have struggled. But regardless, I have found it my rock throughout. It has really kept me going whilst times have been really hard. I currently use a borrowed Mac for my designing, but will have to give it back soon. So to own my very own laptop would be an absolute dream. It would really improve my design process and organization of my business. I started Dolly Pepper as I wanted to make people smile and make them happy with my products. And with the reviews so far, I feel I'm doing just that. People have said it's just what they needed, which makes my day. My recent product, Positive Postcards, was inspired by my own mental health struggles and wanted to design a pack of postcards that featured quotes that bring people joy and make them feel inspired. Congratulations, Jodie. I am wishing you all the luck. You can follow her and her new laptop at Dolly Pepper Studio.
To be in with a chance, all you have to do is email us in your story of why winning would change your business journey. We want creative and soulful tales of how you want to be empowered to take the next steps. You can email us at techinabox at holly.co or for all the details on how to enter, head over to holly.co. Each week, I'll pick one winner and share their story right here on this very podcast. Wishing you all the best of luck. Unfortunately, we had a couple of technical issues during my chat with James, the international editor of Time Out. Nonetheless, it was a great conversation about all the brilliant initiatives that Time Out are supporting right now. Did you know that Time Out was founded in London in 1968? It now has two divisions. The first is Time Out Media, its publishing arm, and perhaps what it is known best for. It is seen as a definitive guide to the best food, drink, culture, art, music, theatre, travel and entertainment and is in 328 cities and 58 countries. The second division is Time Out Market, which is its newer food market arm. The first Time Out Market opened in Lisbon in 2014 and following its success, five new Time Out Markets were launched in North America in 2019 in Miami, New York, Boston, Montreal and Chicago. With other global locations, including Dubai, Porto, London, and Prague in the pipeline. Time Out London incredibly reaches over 300,000 Londoners in print and millions of readers worldwide every year. And its mission is to help people around the world go out better. And I was intrigued to speak to James about what happens when the world literally has to stay in. Being an entrepreneurial brand, though, Time Out reacted very quickly and changed the title to Time In. And I love that. And as James explains in this next clip, as a brand, they quickly recognized that whilst their food markets were closed and their magazines not in print, it was more important than ever to champion the independence. So with an ongoing commitment to supporting independent businesses, they came up with a number of creative initiatives online, as he shares with me here. So nice to virtually meet you. Um, I know that um, you are here to talk about all these things that you've been working with Instagram and doing things that are amazing for supporting small businesses. Time Out um, as a brand is on a simple mission. I was just talking about the strength of brands having simple missions to help people around the world go out better. So that is Time Out's main mission. Um, tell me some more about what you've been doing to support small businesses. Yes, so we, we launched our, um, well, it, it, it's kind of like something that we've always done, supporting small businesses. It's it's kind of part of what yes, we've been to Yeah, it feels like your tapestry almost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of what makes the cities interesting, certainly I think for, for me and the rest of the editorial team, most of what that makes that interesting is is the small businesses and, and the um, sort of independent places that, that make our cities what they are. So we, as, as COVID-19 was sort of starting to affect hospitality businesses in, in the cities that we cover, uh, we were already sort of supporting them by publishing stories about them pivoting to take away. Yeah and um, you know turning into shops and things like that um and then when sort of official lockdown started that that really was when the majority of the uh sort of cultural organizations and, and venues and stuff that we that we um write about when that was when they 
sort of have to close their doors. And we had, and a lot of them thinking about exciting ways to get their culture to people um, via streaming and various other things like that. So we ended up having quite a lot to cover in order to help those businesses by writing about the various ways in which our readers could could help them. Um, and, and also quite a few campaigns were being launched, like the um, hospitality unions, hashtag yes. time out, which isn't actually anything to do with us, even though it sounds like it probably should be. Yes. Um, but we threw our support behind that since they'd already um, <laughs> used it. Um, and also the Mayor of London's Pay It Forward campaign, which is a sort of subsidised crowdfunding platform for people to um, spend money with small businesses ahead of them being able to reopen. And that's a whole different yes. range of, of the kind that we cover. So theatres, cinemas, um, comedy clubs, music venues, uh, as well as um, restaurants, pubs and bars, which is a, obviously a huge part of yeah. right about. Um, and also we wanted to help people get themselves in front of um, customers so we started running Instagram lives with uh, bakeries and yes. fitness studios and DJs and shops and, and, and basically all of these amazing places that we've been covering for years and which suddenly didn't have a way of getting what they did in front of people. Um, so, we, so we wanted to provide a platform for that and Instagram Live was a really great way to do that. And then in May, we formalised all of this sort of support, all of these sort of disparate strands of, um, of small business support into our Love Local campaign, which um, is actually a, it's an international campaign. It's running in, I think it's 14 cities. And so you've been supporting these small businesses across London, but with Instagram themselves, because you've created uh, Experience NYC and Experience LDN um, and partnering with Instagram on these sort of couple of days. Um, yes. Tell me about this, because it's absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, so uh, the we, we came, we were already talking uh, to uh, our, our New York team, were already talking to Instagram about running an event in New York that was uh, supporting small businesses and sort of spotlighting them on, on the feed. Um, and at the same time as that, in the UK, we were sort of noticing that um, Instagram was launching all of these different tools to support small businesses, like the um, the button that yes. uh, you can use to order food, the, um, the gift card functionality, um, the uh, support small businesses sticker. So um, we ended up approaching them simultaneously as they were approaching us in New York. And it all just came together in a very pleasing way, which doesn't often happen, I don't think. Um, so uh, so we, we've been, as I say, we've been using lives already. So it made sense to do a full uh, two-day festival of these lives going almost back to back. We had 15 businesses across, across two days. Wow. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff that we've sort of learned how quickly we can do things um, internally in, in terms of not just the sort of, uh, you know, sign off that you have to get from senior people, but also like our tech team maybe. Is, yeah. Oh, it turns out we can actually do a major project in two weeks rather than. <laughs> so, so, you know, and editorially as well, we've, we've had to sort of, you know, pull together assets for the time in pivot and, and and also for the love local campaign we, we that came together very quickly and and actually for this instagram thing as well we we had to uh pull that together very quickly as well um especially the the london side of it you know it's been it's been pretty breakneck but um it's 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 good i really hope to speak to james again soon as time out as a brand have such a brilliant mission and i also can't wait to now visit their food markets as i hadn't come across them before but have since heard from the team that they are incredible 
I think for me, this episode has really shown us that you are never too big as a brand or too far down a certain road to make a change. Time Out was well known as a magazine and had a history in publishing, yet they are seeing huge success within their food markets. Fern was a presenter and a broadcaster with a background in radio, and yet today she finds herself in the early years of her entrepreneurial journey on a completely different and purposeful path. Putting COVID aside for a moment, both brands have tested new waters and forged ahead in areas that weren't necessarily the most obvious next steps. Not because they were forced to by external factors like a pandemic, for instance, but because when a brand is built on mission and purpose, as long as this mission remains at the core of the business, it means the opportunities for you to explore become endless. And I know I often talk about the vital need for any business to have a purpose at its heart, but I think this week's two guests are utterly brilliant examples of the breadth that your business can reach if it does have a clear mission. As founders, it can become very easy to get transfixed on the minute detail and the day-to-day mechanics of a business. It can be tempting to focus on what is working for you right now in that moment, rather than looking ahead and thinking about where you're navigating to as a business, let's say over the next two, five, or even 10 years from now. It can feel safe to stay in the detail. It allows you to satisfyingly tick off the to-do list, but fall into this trap at your peril. Everyone will have their own way to navigate this. But for me, I try to gather my co-founders every two weeks to talk about the bigger picture. For you, it might be that time is set aside one day a month, or perhaps it's once every three months. Whatever you decide, you must, must set out visionary time. It is not only deserved of your time, it is imperative for the future health of your business. The big dream analogy is not to be left as soon as you start your business. It is an ethos that must stay with you throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Everything is possible. Nowhere is a no-go area. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you love this podcast and don't miss out on Monday's episode of Conversations of Inspiration with the amazing Aid Hassan, who is the founder of Nubian Skin. And I cannot wait to talk to her. And finally, before you go, you know what I'm going to ask. Conversations of Inspiration is a growing podcast, but needs the help of this community to spread the word. And I might be biased, but I love telling people about the stories of our guests and maybe you do too if you do and spread that word thank you and now that's it from me and i hope the rest of the week treats you well bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going you won't need to bring your frown you will find that all the things that i have said will come to when you are lying in your bed and if you want your friends to come